Welcome back to part two of our space series here in the common room. My name is Alison Howe. Last week, we focused on what the opportunity of becoming a payload specialist means to Hong Kong and what that job requires. Payload specialist or recruit in Hong Kong is, as the Deputy Financial Secretary said, is having regard to the availability of talents in Hong Kong because we have many research staff in Hong Kong. So I'm sure in Hong Kong we do have talents that can meet these requirements. This is the first time for this recruitment. We hope in future there will be the opportunity for Hong Kong people to recommend more talents to take part in the country's manned aerospace program. Before we talk about our local talents, let's look into where China's space technology is at compared to the rest of the world. Here is Professor Quentin Parker from the Hong Kong University, director of the Laboratory for Space Research. You know, you look at the traditional space powers. You've got NASA, you've got the Americans, you have the Russians, of course, although they're less active now than they were, and you have the emerging powers like India, which has own uh, nascent and, and increasingly important space program, and, and Japan and, and others. And uh, you look at the Europeans, of course, uh, very strong, and, and, and the Ariane space in particular, uh, which launched the James Webb Space Telescope on an Ariane five rocket from Fujiana.、Uh, um, and then you look at China, and you look at how China has emerged from the pack to be a leader now. I believe it's clear that China has become a serious player and a major leader in space. They have the world record for the number of launches in any one year. They probably break their own world record this year. They've got a spanking new space station up in pretty short order, and、uh, it takes only six to seven hours to dock with it. You want to dock with the International Space Station? It'll take you sixteen or seventeen hours because they've got new tech. Everything's spanking new: new ways of generating electricity, new ways of reticulating water, new ways of doing things. And so、uh, they have a cutting-edge space station. It's international in the sense that they've got all these.、Um, Experiments have been approved that come from many different countries, including those in Europe and elsewhere. And even I think、uh, French and German、uh, astronauts have trained with their Chinese colleagues. And I suspect that in the future we may well see European psychonauts on the Chinese space station. That would be a great thing. And collaboration is something that the Chinese are very open about in their white paper. They said, you know,、uh, for the peaceful exploitation of space. Uh, you know,、uh, our program is open to international collaboration. And, you know, and don't just believe their words. Look at the actions, and that's that's actually happened. So they're doing what they said they would do. But you know, I, last year I called it the Annus Mirabilis for the Chinese space program because they actually sent、um, they had a sample return、uh, to the moon. They brought back moon rock, nearly two kilograms of moon rock,、uh, completely robotic and automated. They had a rover on the backside of the moon. No one's ever done that before. Very sophisticated mission. They have a, a rover on Mars again. Very successful, first time. And they have this amazing space station. And there's a lot more coming. They're talking about moon bases. They're talking about you know for the hundredth anniversary of of the China. They're sending a, a, a soon in the next few years. They're sending a, a, a satellite out to 100 astronomical units from the Earth. Uh, possibly powered with a small fission reactor, and so they've got all sorts of grand plans. But these are plans are all coming to fruition, and also on timescales, which I think has surprised the West. Actually, I don't think the West quite expected China to move so fast, so quickly, and so expertly into this domain. So they have. You know, the Wolf Amendment prevented the Chinese from participating in the International Space Station. 
What did that cause? That just resulted in China going it alone and building its own space station. And now, you know, they, they're now they're talking about, oh, uh, we better keep our international space station going for a few years longer or else the Chinese will be the only ones with an active space station and that would be bad. So, I mean, competition. We definitely want to jump on the right spaceship. Would Professor Parker recommend any of his students to apply for the job? Oh, well, several. I mean, I've already got um, a very keen um, PhD student uh, who's uh, an amazing guy. Um, he's uh, uh, The only problem is I think he might be a bit too tall. I mean, there's a height limit on this. So he said, oh, I've got to cut my hair, cut my hair back. <laughs> but he is uh, he, he, he's working uh, with the Laboratory for Space Research on CubeSats projects for us. We're, we're hoping to launch a, a space science mission in a couple of years called a 6U-MEV CubeSat with uh, partners in Padova in Italy and with Chechang University in the mainland, a very strong university in, in, in space research in the mainland and technology. So uh, we have great partners and we have great people. And, and this opportunity, I mean, to see this, this young mind light up, you know, sparkles in his eyes. And I think this is something that's happened across Hong Kong. So even though the competition is fierce, and even though there are only two posts in potentially available, it's what it means more broadly for Hong Kong as a city, that this confidence shown in us by the mainland to get engaged in the mainland space program, which frankly has been going absolutely mental. It's been going gangbusters for the last decade. It's now emerging, you know, the incredible things that have been happening in the in the Chinese space program in the last couple of years, not just the launching of the Chinese space station, of course, and the first woman to do a spacewalk, uh, Wang Yaping. What a tremendous female role model to get uh, young women into STEM subjects and engineering and into space technologies, etc. Because it's not a male domain. Please, you know, people need to realize that it's a, it's a male and female equally. You know, equally good. In fact, in some areas, you could say that women are far better <laughs> than men at doing some of these things, to be frank with you. And so I'm hoping there'll be many more women applying uh, to go up into space and to fly uh, into space uh, uh, with the Taikonaut program. So let's take a look at what other opportunities there are. Apart from becoming a Taikonaut, how can one take advantage of the growing space economy? The new space economy, which is emerging rapidly, and by 2030, the global space economy will be worth conservatively about 1.25 trillion US dollars. Wait, hang on. Say that one more time. About 1.25 trillion US dollars. All right, so if I'm not aspiring to become a space ranger like Buzz Lightyear, how can I get in on this and start a career? Astropreneurship. So it's like entrepreneurship for space. So that's what astropreneurship is, and it's about getting them ready for the new space economy so they can take advantage of all these opportunities that are emerging rapidly, globally, and also in the mainland, and hopefully soon in Hong Kong. I mean, you know, the Hong Kong, um, we haven't got a lot here going on now, but the more is emerging. I mean, I think for the very first time, Carrie Lam in her last address as, as, as CE uh, mentioned the space economy for the first time. She mentioned uh, PolyU, which has been uh, active in in, uh, in the mainland space program with the with the moon rovers having special um, cameras developed for that, and also a sample return aspect to what they've been doing. So that got some attention, and I hope that my own. Uh, laboratory for space research you know the university of hong kong our own lsr has, has played some role because in july 2020 
we launched uh, something called the Lobster Eye X-ray Telescope with our Nanjing University partners, uh, with our Bismi partners as well, Beijing Institute for the Science of Mechanical Electricity. It's a very long acronym to spell out. Has been tremendous, you know. And so there's a pure science mission, uh, first one ever from 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 Hong Kong, and we're very proud to, to be to be part of that. But then, you know, in 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 uh, September of last year. Um, uh, or the year before, I think it was actually, the uh, Hong Kong Aerospace Technology Group spun out from SWHK and they've already launching uh, some microsatellites. And so there's a nascent, you know, infrastructure from a technological side of things. A lot more can be done. But I think Hong Kong's strength, of course, has always been in banking and investment and fintech over the last 20 years or so. And that is, of course, where I think we can play a major role. It's in facilitating investment in space and emerging technologies around the new space economy. We can play a pivotal role there, I believe, both for the mainland and the GBA and for the, uh, the world more, more, more globally as well, uh, because we have such expertise in, in those areas. And so I think that's the one practical advantage we have. We have a regulatory framework, you know, um, that's also well respected globally. And, and we have the, um, the, the NAUS in, in FinTech and investment to think about how we can funnel money into this new space economy as well and take advantage of, of the opportunities that are emerging. So I think that's a, a fairly important role that we could play if, if, we, if we look at it uh, properly and sensibly. And also, of course, if the government gives out the right mood music and they've started to do so with this um, major announcement. So I think, uh, as I said, it's, an, it's the apex event. The um, um, human space flight is an apex event uh, and to have Hong Kong involvement, it would be amazing. But it's merely, you know, the, the, the tip of, of, of the sword. You have so much underneath that could develop from this. You know, the impetus, you know, the interest, the engagement, the investment, the facilitation, the infrastructure. You know, all of these things can start to build up from this thing. Because once they say, oh, the mainland's really interested in Hong Kong in this area. I mean, look what they've just done. Oh, let's get in board. Let's go on board. Let's start um, seeing what we can do. And then it becomes a kind of thing that can roll on, that can grow rapidly. And we need to because uh, it's such a major part of the world economy now and increasingly important. But it can't all just be for the money. The billionaires, yes, they are going in for the financial gain. But there must be something else that's more gratifying than just chasing dollars. Let all the children boogie. And I'm talking to you. You know, I'm 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 an academic, so I'm never going to be a millionaire or a billionaire like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or or Richard Branson. You know, these people are uh, sending people up on two minutes into weightlessness for a million dollars as part of space tourism, which is a nascent industry. And Hong Kong could play a role in that in the future too. But convincing parents that you know that it's it, richness. What is richness? Richness is not just richness in your pocket. For me, richness is a richness of your life's experience, richness in your mind, richness in your heart. And as you know, and richness in your pocket too can obviously make all those other things easier. And I think a, a society that recognizes the value of our scientists and engineers and technologists, which have been undervalued for far too long, will reorientate that richness aspect in a, in a perhaps in, in, a, in a more healthy way. You know, there's only so many bankers and, and doctors and lawyers that we need. I mean, you know, in America, things going on with lawyers, I mean, the whole of the, you know, the mass of America be turned into lawyers. 
you know, if you <laughs> develop up the curve. But no, I'm joking. But um, it's perspective and balance, and it's a recognition of the importance that science will play existentially in saving us, and the value placed on that by society that I think needs to change. And that wraps up our space series here in the common room. We hope you're inspired to learn more about the opportunity given to Hong Kong and go beyond where any Hong Kongers have ever gone. And finally, for my own personal curiosity, I couldn't quite let Professor Parker go without asking this. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times: Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. No hesitation. Live long and prosper. Whether you're a Trekkie or not, thank you for joining us. <laughs> 